Hello, hello. Man, does anyone else wake up the night and eat everything in the house? Kung Fu Bear, it's good to see you, my friend. Let's see if we're alive. We are alive. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 817. E. Michael Jones returns. Uh, let's call him. I don't really, if you want to support the, the stream, P.O. Box 727, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. Uh, unauthorized.tv. We're going to be talking today about Jonesy's new book, Logos Rising, A History of the Ultimate Reality. Jones has had a very positive influence on my life and I'm sure a lot of your lives as well. So let me give him a call and let's just start crushing. There you go. Yeah. Hi, Owen. Hi. E. Michael Jones, it's good to see you, brother. It's been a while good since to see you. it's been a while since Indiana. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Is that the uh, springtime? Springtime out there? Oh yeah, it's springtime. Looks as if it's spring. The spring is uh, arrived where you are. Check it out, my friend. Look at that. It's struggling to arrive here. Is it still struggling? <clears throat> it's because you're mayor. Too much sodomy. It, that's right. <laughs> Yeah, he's back in town, by the way. We couldn't get rid of him. I was hoping he'd become president. <laughs> yeah, it's a, he'd have less power. <laughs> that, that's the downside. Yeah. Um, the good side is he would no longer be in South Bend. That's hilarious. Yeah, but is, is he being revealed, though? You know, I, you've, you've brought up the point of God's uh, mysterious way of uh, doing good through evil. Do you, do you think that uh, people are waking up to old Peter Butt from South Bend? I think so. I think everybody got tired of him. He, yeah. had, he had one one thing going for him, which was the fact that he was a homosexual. <laughs> but everybody realized he was he was the oligarch candidate. He had more billionaires and more CIA agents supporting him than anybody else. <laughs> yeah, and billionaires seem pretty boring too. It's like whenever I used to have this this idea that billionaires were led these exciting like 007 lives. They're they're very scared, very boring people. They just like to sit around and clap. I don't know. Yeah, you know, that's what uh, Dante said, that uh, the users uh, in hell, they just sat. They never did anything. <laughs> that's what they, they do. Just sat, yeah. They sat there and counted their money. They had money bags around their necks, and they sat there and counted their money. They think, never moved. And that, that will help people understand uh, rejection of usury and sodomy. If people just had a glimpse into what it's like to be a Rockefeller or a gay bar nightclub owner, not as exciting as people think. It's just, if you own a gay nightclub, it's just constant techno music, constant vodka shortages. And if you're a giant banker, you just count money and, and bite your fingernails. I mean, it's That's just, right. there's nothing there. I, but, uh, yes. I, and I, I, it was great hanging out with you in Indiana too, man. People should know that E. Michael Jones is very tall, which is why I respect him. And uh, I'm not as tall as you. I, I'm not the one who said it, but thank you very much. <laughs> um, I got I picked up this hat in Wuhan, China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jones understands comedy more than most comedians. He did a great article in Culture Wars magazine that he uh, runs ever since being kicked out of the beast for being too kicked out of a Catholic college for being too Catholic, which is uh, just part of the upside down. Um, that was an awesome article, man. I think you really understand comedy. It's, it was very nice. Thank to, you. Very nice to read. Thank you. I'm glad you liked it. Glad you liked it. And I, I enjoyed your show too, by the way. Thank you. 
Yeah. No, that was a great experience. And also, um, I've been I've been on a brief E. Michael Jones bender, uh, listening to your video since all this has happened. It's been very refreshing hearing a man not terrified of the sniffles. And I'm just letting you know you mean a lot to a lot of people, including my mom. Like, my mom loves listening to you simply. Well, A, she's Irish and German. And so I think you have a weird genetic connection. But also, yeah. but also it's just hearing someone not afraid. It's so, it's so good, man. So thank you on behalf of the people. You're welcome. Yeah. So uh, what do you want to talk about, man? There's all kinds of stuff we can talk about. Uh, two topics that I'd love to hit. Well, A, your book also... The two oh, you got the book. Oh, yeah. I can't wait good. to read it. I've oh, been good. In... There was big debate here whether whether the book had gone out to you. Good. I'm glad you got it. Oh, I got, yeah. Kyneton Bear uh, uh, connected with your assistant and made it work. I'm, I'm, uh, I've been in quarantine now for four years, so. <laughs> <laughs> so... I've been in quarantine for 10 times as long. <laughs> People have been socially distancing themselves from me for 40 years now. Dude, but that's why you're so, like, you're so fruitful. Dude, I'm so really, disconnected. No, but it's like, I was telling that to my mom. My mom got fired recently for, uh, she was a children's literature professor, and she wouldn't, uh, she was she loved to teach Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, and wouldn't teach uh, some of these, uh, you know, transgender uh, books. And I was like, Mom, it, you know, that's why you've meant a lot to her, is uh, I'm like, Mom, you're getting kicked out of hell. That's what they do. <laughs> you know, it's like... <laughs> It's like they, they say you don't belong here anymore, and you and you hold on for a little while, and you feel really upset about it, and then you're like, oh, you just did me a huge favor. You're right, I don't belong here. And now we're looking at Hollywood just, you know, sitting in their little honeycombs waiting for their agent to call in lockdown, and, you know, it's like they did me a favor. They did you a favor, you know? Yeah, What what's the status of comedy clubs? Are they essential services? No, they're all closed indefinitely. I mean, maybe they could learn from a guy who knows how to rent out an airplane hangar. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. is this is God's hand. God's hand is at work here. A hundred percent. You just have to be smart enough to understand it. A hundred percent. And that's why it's uh, a great time to be a believer in God, because if not, my my <laughs> I would have thought it was me. It, like the, the feeling that I got, when I, <laughs> the, the feeling I got when I saw all of Hollywood, cr it's like I am the last comic standing and I saw it all crumble. And it was so triumphant that if I wasn't humbled about God, I would be like, man, I'm awesome. And then I would have taken some ticket of hubris and just ruined my life. You know, I think that's what a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing, like some of the things that you thought were just part of life, and now they're not there anymore. Like I had to go, I rode my bike by the mall. It was empty. Can you imagine a mall that's empty on a Saturday afternoon? Uh, it's and that's what, that's what happened. When I arrived here in town, we had a big uh, newspaper. That's gone. It's like one thing after another. You yeah. think it's going to be there forever, and then they're gone. It's uh, You talked about it in a video. It's... it's um. I can't, man. I, I just went on such an E. Michael Jones bender that it's all uh, coming to get, it's all mishmashing a bit. But it's almost like the famine of society. It's almost like a starvation of Babylon, where everything that people used as these crutches to maintain their their sick little lives just di disappeared like that. And now people are experiencing this famine. But it's a famine of the soul, almost. You know? Yeah. Well, it, it, it throws you back on your own resources. 
Exactly. That's why. Which I've been doing for 40 years, so it's not really <laughs> new to me, you know? Not same, really new to me. Same here. Like, when everybody yeah. was when everybody was panic buying toilet paper, I was panic buying, like, cover crop seed for next fall. Yeah, I mean, you know, people walk across to the other side of the street when I walk down the street, you know? Well, I used to, I used to take it personally, but now everybody does it. So, you know, I'm used to it. Oh, yeah, that's, that's the thing that's happening with this. It's like... Uh, I was talking to a, a Muslim buddy about this. It's like now everyone's the Muslim, you know? It's all, <laughs> That's right. It's like how people used to react on an airplane if you saw a Muslim. It's like, oh, now every single person does that with every person. And and people are like looking at me like, why are you having such a good time with this? I'm like, I've been in quarantine for four years. <laughs> like people have called me evil and not let me do online banking for so the The YouTube purge was just me. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, it's good to relate to you, man, because you you faced it down a long time ago. And that's why you're in such a good place, I think, because it's not about where your line is. It's do you have one, you know? Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing this should be consoling to your mother, too. All the universities are shut down now. It's awesome. So so they got rid of her and then they collapsed. Exactly. Everything, everything, everybody does everything online. Notre Dame is completely shut down. They don't know when they're going to open again, and they're doing everything online. Yeah, it's, it's so why do you need why do you need a, a hockey rink? Notre Dame has a hockey rink, by right? The way. You probably didn't know that. <laughs> I did not know that. I, uh, did Plato have a uh, did Plato have a hockey rink? I, I mean, I don't know. I'd have to I'd have to get some more. I'd have to do some more research, but I think he just had a cave. Yeah. Um, so this is this is this is part of the point here. There's this big shakedown, yeah, and uh, all of these institutions that you thought were immortal are suddenly shut down. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. Amazing. Yeah, it really is incredible. And for those of you, I, I get letters all the time from people about how I helped them uh, stop. Yeah, let me make sure my kids aren't stop watching P O R N. And uh, E. Michael Jones was very instrumental in my life. Uh, to help build that branch, to give other branches about how it's used as a weapon. And it's really helping a lot of young men see the world for what it really is to not engage in that weaponry. And so I want to give you uh, props for, you know, I knew there was something wrong with it once I had children. I didn't want that in my house. I just had that instinct. And then you explain the history of it as a weapon and something really clicked in my mind. And, and, me and my mom both had this quality where she focused on breastfeeding. When I was very young, she was like, if more women breastfed and less soy-based formula, the world would be a better place. So she just kept hammering that, breastfeed your baby, breastfeed your baby. And uh, lately I've been, I found this linchpin with the help of you and other people where it's like, it's usury and P-O-R-N. You know, it's like, don't get into debt, stop putting that in your body and you will see a result. It's not theoretical. You know, my mom was like, breastfeed your children, they get your immunity, they grow stronger, and they don't get soy. Breastfeed, and, and she would hammer that. And now I think that's why I do that, because it, it takes the abstract and puts it into reality, where it's like, you want a, you want a better life? Stop watching that and don't get into debt, because that's, uh, that's how the grab work controls you. Yeah, that's that's part of being uh, an embodied spirit. You know, you have a body and you've got a soul. And if you get the body under control, the soul follows as, as a result of that. So you you get the body under control and the mind clears up and you start to be able to understand things in a way that you didn't before. Yeah. 
That's what happened here. And in, in many ways, it, uh, it was amazing what happened last year, like, like uh, when they boycotted uh, the pornography that thing. And, and Rolling Stone freaked out and called them all anti-Semites because they weren't watching <laughs> pornography. But, the, 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 you know, they, they, how did that happen? happen? How did that happen? It just did play a role in that. I think that my book did play a role in that because people have told me that. They've written to me because no one had an explanation before or the explanation was it was just, you know, entertainment and freedom and all the things that Americans believe in. And yeah. they knew that wasn't true. That, that, in other words, they had a category of the mind and it, they kept trying to place it onto their reality and it didn't fit. They kept saying, yeah, it's, it's freedom, but if it's freedom, why do I feel so, like I'm such a slave and I'm so addicted? And it didn't fit, and they finally broke free of it, and then you got the proper category, and then suddenly you can you feel better. You can act better. You can act in, in the right way. You know, you got a plan now. You can move forward. Yeah, and you've been doing some great articulating of that. Uh, when, it, when it's... Um your is it Augustine? It's your Augustine quote about man has as many masters as he has appetites. Is that Augustine? A man has as many masters as he has vices. That's from Augustine's uh, City of God, yes. Yeah, and, and that just articulates it so well because the, the scam, the hoax, the lie that your, that your you know, appetite freedom is somehow your spiritual freedom is exactly upside down and it's been this invisible noose around everyone's neck that, that I couldn't see for years. And so the way you explained that was, was very, very good. And, and you have also have a book, Libido Dormanati, which is all about sexual liberation as a means of control. And that's why, oh man, I don't even know what to talk about with you because there's so many things. You and that woman were having such a good conversation about how when they unbridled homosexuality, uh, they needed the cover story and that was the AIDS <laughs> bizarre narrative. And, and then people don't understand that. And the Swedish guy you were talking to, didn't understand. I, I could tell in his voice he didn't understand. He's like, why would they promote homosexuality? And you're like, control. You know, if you're a slave to your, to your appetites, it's very easy to get you to do whatever uh, the person wants. Because, you know, they're running on empty. They're spiritually empty. They have to go to a gas station every mile, as James True talks about, you know? Yeah, they, they, they first of all, they didn't understand uh, the the... the, the the fundamental question, which is, <clears throat> which which part of, which camp do you belong to? And Augustine clarified that when he said the city of God and the city of man. So the city of God is love of serve, love and service to your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, then the city of man has to be the opposite of that. Well, what's the opposite of loving your neighbor and serving him? It's controlling him. Yeah. And that's it's Augustine who came up with the term libido dominandi because that has to be by <clears throat> by process of elimination that has to be the constitution of the city of man. So it's been that way from the beginning. You know, in the beginning it was military force, you know, but over a period of centuries you realize there were more and more sophisticated ways of controlling people's behavior. And manipulating the passions is the idea that came into being around the time of the enlightenment. Which is basically the the, revo the French Revolution. Revolution is something that turns things upside down. So Augustine said, "A man has as many masters as you have vices, and if you want to be free, you have to restrain vice." But the Marquis de Sade would say, "Well, if you want to control people, then you got to promote vice." Exactly. 
And that's where the whole control thing came in. And nobody could understand it because you really wanted to watch those pictures of those naked women. You really had that desire. And you didn't realize just because you have the desire doesn't mean you have to give into it or it's going to be a good thing. You'll have to, you have to apply reason to your desires in order to know how to, uh, how to have a successful outcome. And they were all blind to that fact. Yeah, they were. And that's where I think we're at now, that the way the way to beat it is to not engage with it. You know, that's why I don't really focus on, you know, uh, who controls these industries anymore. It's about my engagement with it, because I've noticed that when you don't engage, they don't really hunt you down. They might call you an anti-Semite and Rolling Stone, but they really don't have too many weapons against you. You know, if you don't take their loans, don't watch. Uh, don't watch their their movies. You know, there, there's nothing really they can do at that point. It's very, uh, it's a very flaccid uh, control structure. <laughs> well, that, see, I think what happened last year is that they did lose control. There was a big battle over the internet, and there were casualties. You know, and you suffered, and I suffered. But I mean, the fundamental the fundamental issue, I think, it didn't get resolved in their favor. And yeah. I think now what we're seeing with medicine is the sequel yes because now now you've got before it was you know all right your hate speech okay hate speech is not all that powerful we i think we exposed it it was something the adl created to 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 demonize any type of thing they didn't like yeah exactly but now you got something stronger coming along now it's science <laughs> it's science are you going to argue with science are you are you a scientist? Are you a scientist? If you're not a scientist, then you better shut up and listen to what I say because I'm a scientist or I'm talking as if I'm a scientist. And that's the situation we're in right now, I think. You know, we got this total lockdown because Anthony Fauci said so. Anthony Fauci said uh, one day that, well, we're going to have to get over shaking hands. I mean, that's not going to happen anymore. And then the next week he says, but it's okay to have sex with strangers. <laughs> yeah, isn't it weird? His name's almost Anthony Fausti. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's this Faustian little gremlin. See, this is the thing that I think can empower people to move forward, is it doesn't matter what they... Before this month, very few people even knew who Anthony Fau, Fauci or Fausti was. Same with Bill Gates. At what point did a computer nerd have any say over what you do with your body. And so many people are so riddled with sin that when just some idiot is like, we're going to have to put this inside of you. And they're like, oh, no. And then even some of these truth channels are going along with it. They're like, this is going to suck. It's like, why does his will have anything to do with your will? Like, you, <laughs> like, they can try. That's one of the Bears' mottos is, uh, you know, it's like, well, they're, they're up to 80 vaccines. It's like, they can try. I, it doesn't affect me at all, you know? That's the question. Is it going to affect us? Is this going to affect us? The big, the big question right now is how long is this lockdown going to, going to last? you got people like Jeb, Bill Gates saying long time. It's going to be long time. And people are suffering. Uh, is going to suffer and they don't like this group of people and probably they, they figure that into the bargain here. Yeah. So you got a situation in Michigan where the people protest. You know, First of all, you've got a, a feminist who uh, in charge of Michigan who thinks that abortion is a life-affirming act. Yep. And then you've got an attorney general who is a lesbian. 
Uh, and what you need in a time when custom is abrogated, which is right now, like it's not normal, it's not business as usual anymore. Yeah. You need prudence to, to, to say, well, how are we going to proceed? Well, the last person who's got prudence is a lesbian. If she were prudent, she wouldn't be a lesbian. Well, but now got- she's making the rules and you get the impression that she's making the rules uh, against people she doesn't like. These people did not vote for. Well, that's the thing, though, is is it, they have a lesbians have a massive Achilles heel. You just start every sentence with "I feel that I," because they're based on emotions. Like every lesbian boss, I've been working this out with some of my buddies. It's it's the opposite of a Navy SEAL. They're based on procedure. Their feelings don't matter. You know, if you if you see the color green, punch yourself in the face. Um, the lesbian, if you say "I feel that I don't want." Um, vaccines, they have to acknowledge that because according to the laws of lesbianism, feelings and irrationality are the only thing that, that hold any credit. So if, if they go against your feelings, then then you can go against their feeling and then they can't drive around their Subaru listening to Sarah McLaughlin all day long, you know? But the question is, whose feelings, uh, what happens when you have conflicting feelings? Who gets to adjudicate that? Well, the governor and and the attorney general, and they get to impose their feelings on you. And that's what caused the rebellion. Right. That's what caused all those guys in Ford pickup trucks to show up in Lansing (laughs) because they have jobs where basically they put out their hand and someone else puts money in their hand. You know, they're not working for somebody. They got it. They they have to make a living in this economy. Right. And they are. I think their independence is a threat to people like the people who are in charge of Michigan. And that's what caused the reaction. Well, yeah, and every time they make these big swings, they're wide open, they're, 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 they're you know, it, it, it's a it's an opening, you know? And, and this is showing a lot of people what government really is and what authority really is and what sovereignty really is. And, you know, like, what's your line in the sand? You know, you wouldn't go against, you wouldn't be pro-abortion at your college, so they fired you, and now you've been crushing ever since. And it's like, I wouldn't go with the disgusting nature of Hollywood and they persona non grated me and then I've been crushing ever since. And I think if more people understood that, that if they simply say, no, thank you, what is Bill Gates going to do? You could give him a wedgie and throw him in a swimming pool. I mean, he's not a strong man, you know. But it comes down to the question, is someone in charge here? Right. And I think that that's I think that that's what that's what I learned from getting fired was that there was someone in charge. And it wasn't the faculty at St. Mary's College, it was God. Exactly. And the only reason the only reason uh, that happened to me was to prepare the way for something better, which was part of his plan from the beginning. From the beginning. From the beginning. Yes. And all I, had to, all I had to do was cooperate I did, uh, and not throw myself into the St. Joe River uh, because I lost my job. Speaking of which, <laughs> I'm out taking a walk, yes. okay? And uh, I get to the bridge, and, and uh, it's raining out. A woman comes toward me, and she says to me, I think she's got a pan, she's like a panhandler. She doesn't want money. She says to me, to me uh, do you have a phone? Do you have a cell phone? I said, no, and I'm ready to walk on. She says, I need to call my mama. I'm going to kill myself. And at this point, she jumps over the railing, and she's standing on the ledge. And, I'm th- and I, I go over to her, and I say, well, wait a minute, this, this isn't a good idea. And then I said to her, I said, God has a plan for your life. And she looked at me and she said, 
don't talk to me, white man. You don't know me. You know, so about 15 minutes, I'm trying to talk. Literally, she's she's literally wow. going to throw herself into the river. Right. And I keep talking about her. I'm trying to talk about Logos. <laughs> this black lady. <laughs> you're you're holding the book. The you're like, lady. <laughs> I, I didn't have a copy of the book. I would have started reading the book to her if I had a copy, but I didn't. Yeah. So I keep telling her, there's a plan here. There's a plan here. This is not. This is not part of the plan. There's a bigger plan. Someone. Someone. I didn't say this, okay? But afterwards, I thought it. If I had left the house five minutes later or five minutes sooner, I wouldn't have been there. And if I wouldn't have been there, then she would have hopped over the bridge, and there would have been no one to talk to her. Yeah. Okay. Now I I talked to her, and then finally, some of these black kids show up in a car. The only people that stop, they're black kids. She, well, the guy's waving his cell phone. So we get into this conversation. She wants to call her mama. Okay, call her mama. So we call up, and we're got, and it turns out it's not her mama. And now she's moved, and now she's at the parapet, which is means three feet away. So I can't even touch her if I wanted to grab her. Can't do it. And then the cops arrive, and they can't grab her. And suddenly it looks like an impasse. Okay, so I said a prayer. And she looked up. She's she's got her head down. She's ready to jump. I watched. Actually, I went there yesterday with Dave, and we did uh, did some photography. And I looked at the footprints. There were footprints where she's halfway off the off the ledge. Her footprint is like halfway off the ledge. So the cops arrive. The cops saying, you know, just calm down. I can get you something. And she's saying, I'm going to kill myself. Nobody loves me. I'm going to kill myself. And at that point, I said a prayer. And at that point, she looked up and she walked back and the cops grabbed her and pulled her over. Now, as I said before, if you ever doubted that there was a plan, okay, think about what would have happened if I left the house five minutes earlier or five minutes later or taken another route, which is not the normal route I take. I I didn't plan this. I didn't plan this. And yet it was important, I think, that I was there at that moment to talk to her for those 15 minutes before the cops came because I don't know what would have happened if I if I wasn't there. I mean it's not this isn't make into making me a hero or anything. I'm just saying that you're part of a big plan. And sometimes you see the plan and sometimes you think if I hadn't been there something bad would have happened but most of the time you don't see the plan. And sometimes you never see the plan because your mind is so darkened by all the bad habits you've done. <laughs> Only you would bullshit for 25 minutes about... What happened? Uh, the internet went... It was, it was, it was a, it was a plan, as part of a plan. <laughs> yes. I was just describing the plan, and then we got cut off. <laughs> well, I don't know where we got cut off. Well, I was saying that only you would just chat for 25 minutes and then just casually bring up a once-in-a-lifetime story of heroism as just an example of God's plan. I just, if that, if that were me, that there, there was there was no there was no heroism on my part whatsoever. No heroism. If I if I if she had jumped in the river and I had jumped in and saved her, that would be heroism. This is just me being at the right place at the right time as an insignificant part with a role that I had to play because of a plan that was bigger than me. This but was that's God's what the, plan. That's what the heroes always say. You're still the... <laughs> no, no, no. This was not heroism. How funny. This is just, how this funny. Is just a plan. I, oh, I the know. The plan but, is the big part. 
Well, how funny is it that uh, that you might have just been really excited that she didn't cross the street when you came over? <laughs> I could have. Yeah, I'm, you... saying, I'm saying, what is what 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 is the the mix here? There's part of it is predestination. Right. I was predestined to show up there. She was predestined to show up there from all eternity because that was God's plan. But when we got there together, free will entered into that. And I could have I could have brushed her aside. I could have just said, sorry, honey, and pushed her aside and kept on walking. Right. And she could she could have jumped in the river. She could have not, she was perfectly capable of doing that. And there was no determination of her behavior or my behavior, even though we were predetermined to meet. And that's that's the whole point of human history, as far as I can tell. Yes, I, I completely agree with you, man. And the more tuned into it the more you see it all the time. It's like they call it synchronicities or winks from God or whatever, but it's just one in a trillion odds constantly like that happening where you're just like, wow, that really worked out well. You know, like, for example, I was booked in my first comedy club in years and in Vegas because the guy owned the club, but it was overarching. There was a Zionist a casino that actually owned it, so they obviously canceled me. But six months out... They were selling tickets. I'm almost sold out. It's going great. Everybody's pumped. They cancel me. You know, they read my Wikipedia that now I think people are starting to realize I was I was right about everything. <laughs> and everyone's pissed off. And then now we realize it was the week of the lockdown. It's like, thanks, God. It's almost like <laughs> there really is this shepherding effect where you're like, at the time, these things can be so painful. And you're like, oh, man, I'm canceled again. Boo hoo. And then you're like. And then you're like, wait a minute, what weekend was that again? And then you're like, oh, everybody would have been stranded there, you know? Right. And, right. That, and that's constant now. I think that comes from the gratitude of serving, uh, of at least attempting to stay in the city of God more than the city of man. You know, it's, it's not always easy, but uh, that's kind of the point. Like, the more you're in that zone, the more, you know, the blind man... Uh, the blind of his appetites wouldn't even see that. They would just be so busy being like, "Oh, how dare you!" You know, and it's just. But when you could you could be overcome by fear at moments like this, you know, uh, uh, you could be afraid of this black person walking towards you. You know, you could let that rule your life. Right. Uh, but but the, I, I'm saying that the sense of this overarching plan calms you down in a way. It's not up to you. Oh, totally. It's, it's not up to you to save the world because you can't do it anyway. Exactly, it's, man. It's, it's, you know, it's not up to you to come up with the plan because there's a bigger mind that already has the plan. And all you have to do is be attentive to where you are in the plan uh, to make the right decision. Exactly. That, that's, that's the type of uh, liberating feeling that you get when everything doesn't belong to you. Oh, it's great for parenting, too. You know, it's it's we're homeschooling and we're really close with our kids and we have a very warm and loving family. And the thing that people forget about that is that can bring in fear. If you love your kids and you're close to your kids, something can happen. And, and that I think that's one of the reasons people pass off their parental responsibilities onto strangers. And then it's very reveal, relieving when you realize these are God's children. I'm their shepherd. And it's like, it's all part of the plan. And that way you can be a good father and not be riddled with all this fear. And, you know, you can't teach him lessons. You know, yeah. it, it, it's so important. It's like you've already been saved. His name is Jesus Christ. I'm not the Savior. You're not the Savior. I'm also not the devil. You're not the devil. It's just, 
And then from there, you just go out and crush, you know? Yeah, and you can know the plan. That's what Logos is. Logos is the plan. Yeah. And you can know it. And then the problem is, do you, do you really want to know it? Because then it requires you to act in a certain way. And do you want to act in that certain way? And sometimes people say, no, I'd rather do this, I'd rather do that, and so on and so forth. And then they want the benefits of the plan by violating the plan. And that doesn't work. Exactly, man. Because there's a response that there's a lot of pain in following the plan, but, but you live a much more beautiful and rewarding life. And I've seen that in your life. I've experienced that. I've seen that with a lot of people I gravitate towards that, you know, when you hold the line, like um, what happened with you at that college it's like the, the short term is very painful and, you know, it doesn't really the plan doesn't really unfold right away. And so but then when when you start seeing more and more because you're willing to take the the burden and the pain of not immediate gratification, you are rewarded. But a lot of people aren't willing to go that first step of just any blind faith. They just it's worth it for them just to follow, um, you know, Dr. Faust. Well, that's, I mean, that's the other point. They're, they're the, what's their plan? So in other words, when you abdicate the responsibility, when you, when you deny the big plan, the Logos plan, then you get subjected to the science plan. Right, there's and another the science plan. plan and, the, and the liberation, the so-called liberation plan. So you can do whatever you want. You're, you're, a, you're Prometheus. You can do it and you can have it on your terms and be your own man. And then you end up being a slave to your passions and ruled by someone else who then can invoke science. Well, now we have the ability to step back and say, well, wait a minute. Okay, you're a scientist, but how does that fit into the big plan? Or are you the big plan? Am I stuck with you now? <laughs> yeah, this, this little gremlin, Dr. Faust, you know, am I going to listen to a five foot one man who killed about 50,000 homosexuals just to run cover? No. What do we need? We need to talk about this. We need to talk about what happened, Fauci's role with AZT. Yeah, and, all the people. And the, the man who, who, who fast-tracked one of the most toxic chemicals ever created by man and then uh, uh, injected it into homosexuals, and they died. And they died. Lots of people died uh, from the cure. Right. That was the cure, remember? And they all died of the cure. Yeah. Remember? Why, why, is, why is Magic Johnson still alive today? And uh, 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 who's the, uh, the Ash guy? The, uh, Arthur Ashe. Arthur Ashe, the tennis player, dead. Well, because Arthur Ashe took the cure. He took Fauci's cure and it killed him. And, and Magic Johnson said, no, I don't feel well. I'm stopping it. And he's still alive today. Why aren't we talking about this? Well, we are talking about this. But why isn't everyone else talking about this? Whenever Fauci steps up there on the stage. How much do you think he knows about all that? Like, do you think that these people, when you vacate your soul this much to evil, do you, are they just machine-like puppets? Or do you think they're like, oh, I'm going to get some more, you know, like, what, what is his awareness level of all of the evil he's been a part of? That's a good, good question. You should have him on your show and <laughs> ask him what he meant when he said there's going to be a pandemic. What did he mean? Did he have, ins is this like insider trading? Right. Where you where you you know that the uh, you know that the highway's coming down this road and you're going to buy up all the property. I mean, they had scenarios. I've already talked about these scenarios. 
the Rockefeller Foundation gets together to plan scenarios. And in 2010, they said there's going to be a pandemic in 2012, and this is how it's going to function. Is this is this uh, just theorizing or are they actually involved in the thing that they're talking about? Because Fauci said the same thing. And all these people hang around with each other. Fauci's on the board of the Bill Gates Foundation. And the Bill Gates Foundation is one of the biggest uh, funders of things like uh, the CDC and the World Health Organization because governments are bailing out of these organizations. So you've got this little group of people and they're all considered experts. And that's precisely the challenge right now. Uh, is that Has the shelf life run out on scientific experts? Right, right. That's right. the yes. big question right now. Because I just someone just sent me an article and it said all of the all of the experts that NPR interviewed said, "Well, wait a minute, isn't that part of the problem here? Have, haven't we lost confidence in all of the experts that NPR interviews? H haven't haven't we seen some of the bad results that have come of this? Uh, we have reached a point now where we are." confident enough to make our own judgments here. Oh, yeah. I think, especially, I think that's what emerged over this period of time. And that's what they were afraid of in 2019. And that's now this has come to counter that. And it's still there. So there's this guy, apparently, uh, Dr. Uh, Dr. Erickson from uh, California. He's got all the credentials. He made a lot of sense in a YouTube video. And guess what? They banned the YouTube video. Yeah. And he didn't say a word about Jews in it. <laughs> well, I had Andrew Kaufman on, Dr. Andrew Kaufman, who's, who's telling the truth about viruses and what's really happening. And he's a Jew. I mean, I'm guessing he's a Jew. His name's Kaufman. And, and they're trying to censor him as well. And so there isn't any game plan. Like, outside of God's plan, there is no plan. Like, they that's something I've seen about this whole anti-Semitism nonsense. And you want to talk about expert. I was a World War II history major who studied in the Czech Republic. And so how come my opinion on, on the Holocaust narrative doesn't matter? Anyway, um, and so what was I just talking about? Oh, yeah, so, so there is no shield. It's like, will you serve the oligarch or not? Being Jewish, being a doctor. This guy went to Duke. He went to MIT. And he's like, yeah, uh, viruses don't kill people. And everybody's like, that, he's no longer an expert. Take his lab coat. <laughs> it's like nonsense. Well, what do you do in a situation like this? How, this is that the old paradigm is crumbling. Yeah. And what do you do now? Well, it's, we have, we have the ability to make informed judgments. It's called logos. Yeah, exactly. And, and the whole, the whole point of this is that representative government is based on that ability. It basically says that everyone has logos, everyone is a rational creature, and uh, under certain, uh, if you fulfill certain requirements, they will be able to make the best judgment about the how to govern them. Right. But there are certain requirements, okay? And the main requirement is self-control. Yes. Okay? If you can't control yourself, then there's no point in trying to control other people. And, and, and this was, uh, uh, John Adams said this, he said, we have no constitution that functions in the absence of a moral people. That's true, because morality is practical reason. That's the basic form of logos in everyone's life. You have to act in a rational fashion. If you don't, your life is going to be a mess. 
Okay, so now after all of these years of people telling us we don't have to act in a rational fashion, we don't have to act in a moral fashion, we suddenly woke up to the fact that that was just a prelude to the scientists taking control. Yeah, exactly. Because now if you if you can't control your life, then you're you're happy to have a scientist come in and tell you what to do. And you're happy because I don't have a uh, I can't control myself. So I need a vaccine. Right. And that's this, the thing. this was this was exactly the situation with syphilis. Syphilis penicillin became the paradigm for medicine. In other words, I don't need I don't need self-control. I can have sex with as many people as I want. And if it turns out badly, if I get syphilis, I'll take penicillin and that'll solve that problem. Right. That was the paradigm that led to the mess that we're in right now. Because you abdicated, you as the average person, being a good citizen, abdicated all personal control over your life. And then the scientists will come in and take control because you abdicated. Yeah, and uh, I, I got a, a one-minute video if you want to see it about chickens. I don't know if you can watch on DLive. But I hear a lot of people talking about how poor the food is. And so my family and I have been growing our own food and raising our own chickens and there's pain in it. You know, there's, it, it's kind of like having self-control. There's also some pain involved in growing your own food. It's, it's worth it in my opinion, but I have a very quick uh, video from this morning. If you want to see where chicken comes from. And so just like abdicating morality, if you ad, ad, abdicate your responsibility of food They'll give you food. It's just going to be covered in chemicals and, and it's going to be pumped full of hormones and soy and all this stuff. And so this is just a this is my morning. And this is just a little insight into what really happens when you grow your own food. All right, here we go. Good morning, meat birds. Hi, everybody. I know, I know you guys all like me. And I know what I'm going to have to do. But guys, we're having a very good relationship until that day comes. And when that day comes, I promise you, it will be without pain or fear. And, you know, you wouldn't be here if that wasn't your role anyway. Now, let me nourish you. Yes, you all walk next to me, like I'm the Pied Piper, and I'm going to eventually have to kill all of you. <sighs> but here's the thing, guys, this is all a much better relationship than you would have gotten in any of those meatpacking plants. We all die, everyone dies, including me, your executioner. And we will live with dignity until that day. And let me tell you guys, you're going to get so big because that's your genetic makeup that it's going to hurt to walk eventually. So even, even when that day comes, my young meat birds, it will be a blessing. Hi, you know something's up. <laughs> yeah, so that's just a little insight into where food comes from. And then when people abdicate their role of parent and send them off on the yellow school bus... When people abdicate truth and listen to lab coats, when people abdicate self-defense and just keep bombing random countries for no reason because so, it makes them feel safe. This, when people abdicate marriage and responsibility and just watch their, their dirty movies or go to their discos, 
this is the reality of life. And I think that's why this stream has helped people is you get these beautiful moments that I share with my family and my goats and stuff, but it, there's, there's pain and, you know, people have to have a tolerance of pain and responsibility because constitution is the strength of the people. It's not just a piece of paper. And the more we do that, the freer we will be, you know? That's right. That's right. I agree with you. Thank you. I agree with you. Thanks. No problem. <laughs> but it's like, and, and that I'm was so, I was so I was expecting you to cut the head off a chicken at that point, but you didn't. Okay. No, no. The whole thing is, it's all about keeping them, and that's why the Bible isn't just theoretical. If when when you live a more uh, uh, based, you know, uh, local life, you it's very comforting to know that man has dominion over animals, or else things can get very hard to to deal with. You know, it's like some of these animals become like a buddy and then you're like, well, I have to feed my family. Oh, so I can just, you know, give it to Tyson and they can just do horrible things so I don't have to see it. And then I can pretend that veganism is somehow um, moral or you can just read God's plan and just say, well, this is how you're supposed to do it. And, and it's like you do it without pain or cruelty, but this is the reality of life, you know. Well, you know that you have to do it because there's a plan. Right. There's a plan. These chickens are part of a bigger plan, too. This is this is God's plan. Exactly. And they have a role to play, and you play that role, even though there is maybe an initial type of repugnance about chopping the chicken's head off. But you have to – what overrides that repugnance? <laughs> it's the idea that there's a plan. That's, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here with this whole – the, the crisis last the, the the crisis in that lady's life as she's standing on the bridge yeah i mean she kept saying nobody loves me uh, which i'm sure that's what she felt but she also felt there's no plan i have no way of integrating that fact into some greater understanding because we all reach points in our lives when we feel that we're not loved or something bad happened to us we have to undergo rejection and then, uh, for the most part, we don't throw ourselves into the St. Joe River because we have that sense of that there's a bigger plan involved here. And even if it's evil, some type of evil has been done to us, that that's not the final story. Exactly. If you, get, if you really understand the plan, you find that God allows evil to bring about some greater good. Bingo, And so man. Even, even, even evil has a purpose if you want to talk about that way. God will never will evil, but he allows evil because he can bring a greater good out of it. And that's the story of human history. Dude, it's so true, man. Without evil, you don't you don't grow. You know, you can't, there's nothing to push against. And, you know, the absence of, of pain, which a lot of people seem is virtuous, that it's just, oh, no, safe space, everyone's equal, no one's different, men and women, transgender, you know. The absence of pain and the absence of struggle and the absence of identifying evil and lies makes people, you know, my meat birds have more constitution than they have. And I'm not, and I'm not, and I, I know that there's still a divine spark. I'm not saying, I'm not writing them off. I know they can still uh, grow and come back. They're human beings. But like at the moment, my meat birds are more receptive to the world around them than a lot of human beings right now because of the amount of programming and sin that's been pushed into their mind and the, and the absence and the abdication of pain. You know, it's like, imagine going into a, a, a gymnastics class or like, a, you know, if your football coach, if you don't give him consent to train you and make you stronger, it would seem like it would make Stalin look reasonable. Like this is, 
accepted tyranny to make you stronger, you know? And, and I think that's the way to really look at stuff. But the, 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 chick, the chicken has no choice in the matter. The chicken uh, uh, is operating according to God's plan, and he has no choice. He yeah. acts like a chicken. He reacts to external stimuli. He does what he's programmed to do. And we're different in that regard because we have to have – we act on principles. We have to understand in some sense why we're here. Right, exactly. We have to understand. You can't live without that type of understanding. And if you're living a meaningless life, there's nothing to sustain you. Right. A meaningless life is a life lived in the absence, a lack of understanding of a greater plan. Yeah, like the, the chicken isn't capable of logos, but the human is capable of descending to chickenhood. But you can always get out. I mean, it's not a condemnation, but I, I see it. I see like if... My, my goats, when I separate them first from their kids, they'll, they'll look for their kids for days. And I'll see women not have that maternal instinct because of programming and sin. And, and that goat will never be able to rise to the level of a human, but a human can descend that low, and the oligarchs want you there. That's why you'll get a kick out of this. I figure, uh, Gotham from Batman means goat pen. And so it's in your face that they want us to be their goats, and they want to inject us, and they want to milk us and they want to do all this stuff and i'm a much better um uh politician for the goats than i'm guessing pete Buttigieg is in south bend but the goat can always rise you know the the, the john b watson was uh, the father of behaviorism and he loved animals i mean he spent all his time he was a southern boy and he grew up on a farm and he just loved being with animals Trouble was, he didn't understand the difference between an animal and a human being. Right. Because no one ever told him, I guess. And so he treated animal, he treated human beings as if they were animals who simply had responded to stimuli without any type of reservation. Let's, let's say psychic space where, okay, I understand the stimulus, but I understand I don't have to react in a predetermined way to that stimulus. Exactly. And that's, and that's the, called that's called freedom. And the freedom comes from the rationality you have to judge the situation. Well, guess what? We've been all abdicating that responsibility because we wanted to live a, a life outside, a life of pleasure or, or whatever. And then you realize uh, the price you pay is meaning. Suddenly you've lost all sense of meaning. And then when things start going the other way, when suddenly the pleasure isn't there anymore for some reason or other, the meaning is gone and you have no reason to live and you kill yourself. Exactly. Exactly, man. And that's the thing. Like the animal, the animal at your college when presented, do you lose your job over this? Would just say, no, what, what do you want me to say? I want to get back in the trough. And once you're in the trough, they can milk you. But the human, the spark says, no, I will suffer in this time and I will transcend this pain. And that's why you're a very good role model for people because that simple act, that simple act, it, it, it's so hard but so simple to just say, no, I'm not going to do that. And that is, that is incredible, you know? You won't be, you wouldn't, I wouldn't be on the bridge if I, if I hadn't said no. <laughs> it's, it's simpler to say, that sounds really cosmic. Okay, and that's hard for people to understand. But I mean, in terms of Logos rising, I couldn't have written that book unless I wrote the Jewish revolutionary spirit. 
Yeah. Because I had to, it's like a scaffolding where you can't get to the top until you build up the scaffolding. And the scaffolding is what you, all those books you did. So it's the life you led and you, you, you couldn't know, I couldn't know what I know now unless I learned what I learned the last time around. And that's before that and before that and before that. And so you put layer upon layer and suddenly the things start to be, make sense to you after a while in a way that they did not make sense before. A hundred percent. Yeah, you can't pa possibly understand that level of plan. So you just have to keep having faith. And, and it's, you know, like and I said, the point is you'll never understand it completely because that, that's why you need faith. So, you know, I can go over and over that same story about getting fired. Best thing that ever happened to me. But I can look at someone else's life and I can say, honestly, that was really evil. What happened to you? And I don't understand why it happened to you. I really don't. Yeah. I wish I did. Yeah. I wish I could explain it to you as clearly as I can explain my own life, but I can't. And I said, that's why you need faith. And that's why I need faith because no one is, you, you get, a, no one is capable of understanding this plan because you have to be God to understand this plan. And you get a little glimpse of it. Like when you, you're there and suddenly you realize I had to be here. Otherwise this woman would have killed herself. And it's real. I had nothing to do to bring myself here. It was not part of my plan at all. I, could, I had no idea when I got up this morning that someone's life would depend on me. And I'm not trying It's not me. I mean, it's just I was there. Right. You know, if the fact the main fact is like what they say about life, 90 percent of life is showing up. And like 90 percent of this is the fact that I showed up. And that was completely outside of my intention. I could not have known, I did not know that morning that that was going to happen. That's why it's a plan. That's why you have to say it's a plan. And that's why even if you understand it at certain points, you can't understand it at all. And that's why you need faith because there are moments where you're going to keep walking and you're thinking, I don't, I don't see any purpose to this. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Yeah. I've completely lost my way here. I don't know what's going on. And that, at that moment, that's why you need faith. All right. And that's why I'm using that as an example and my comedy career as an example, not because it's 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 only comparable into like the loss of a child or, you know, uh, going blind from acid in a war. You know, it's because it's fractal. It's 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 uh, octaves and music. It's not that I'm saying it's the same level of pain. It's like what we're describing is the short in, in the cosmic God sense. It's that fast. You know, there could be tragedy in your life that it makes no sense. And there may be lifetimes that no one sees the purpose of it. And then it becomes clear. And then and then, you know, you have to have faith that there is a purpose for all of it or else life. You know, why wouldn't the lady just jump, you know? Because there's no plan. Right. That's the thing. That was the main thing. She saw no purpose to her life. If you see no purpose to your life and you're suffering, then why not just end the suffering? Of course, there's a problem there because the suffering may just be beginning because there may be an afterlife and you may be punished for the fact that you took your own life, right. which is murder. You're not allowed to do that. Exactly. You're not allowed to murder anyone, including yourself. Because you didn't create yourself, and so you don't own your own life. That's so fucking... Oh, sorry for swearing. It's so true, dude. It's like, you, you can't murder yourself. That's so powerful and so true. It's just like, dude, you don't belong to yourself. And, that, and that's so freeing. So many people think that's slavery. They're just like, 
no, I am my own savior. I am my, it's like, no, you're not, man. And if you go down that road, life is unbearable. And this world is not meant to be unbearable. No, no. And it becomes unbearable the minute you lose any sense of meaning when your life doesn't have meaning. And it becomes even more unbearable when you deny meaning because you want something else. Like this, this is a, I mean, I, I did this uh, thing with Bergman, Bergman's movies in the 50s. And there's always some guy who's saying, why isn't God talking to me? The silence. Uh, they won with uh, uh, the winter, what is it, winter light. Uh, it's a Lutheran minister. And he's talking there and he's saying, why isn't God talking to me? I'm talking to God. Why doesn't he talk <laughs> back to me? And if you take Bergman as the example, well, okay, Ingmar, the first way God talks to you is through the moral law. And if you ignore what he says there, then why should you expect him to talk to you uh, if you're not going to listen to him in this instance? So Bergman's at the same time he's talking about these move, making these movies about how God doesn't talk to him. He's sleeping with one woman after another. I, it, it, it just gets worse. You know, every starlet that he casts in a movie, he's got to sleep with. Right. And and on top of that, he's got they may be married and have children, but that doesn't matter to Bergman because he really wants to sleep with her. And this will wreck your life, honey. But I don't care because I really want to sleep with you. Yeah. And by the way, God isn't talking to me anymore. <laughs> he's like, he's like, why won't God talk to me? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, if you're not listening, if you're not going to listen to God talk to you through the moral law, then don't expect an apparition. Okay? <laughs> yeah, he's like, I just keep banging all these women and abandoning them, and why can't God just tell me how great I'm doing? <laughs> um, before before we go, uh, I, I would love for you to talk about the archetypes of Dracula, Frankenstein, and how the slasher film is the response to porn. I found that all very fascinating. If you'd just like to get into that. I, it, when you were talking about Frankenstein and Mary Shelley's parents and, and how, you know, Dracula had to do with World War One. I, I mean, just if you can explain that, that'd be amazing. Yeah, it's for, uh, it, it, I wrote a book called Monsters from the Id. And it's available at culturewars.com along with this book here. Yeah. Okay. Logos Rising. Okay, so it's if you if you miss this, it's in book form. But anyway, basically the idea is uh, I was interested in horror movies. Like what are horror movies? What does that mean? And it turns out that they're associated with revolutions. Uh, and so I had three horror movies based on three revolutions. Uh, Mary Shelley was the French Revolution. Frankenstein is the monster. So when you overturn the moral law, which is what you do in time of a revolution, you release all of this uh, negative energy. And, uh, and there's euphoria at the beginning, as with the French Revolution. And then pretty soon the blood starts flowing through the street. Yeah. And you don't know how you got there. And the way that these people talk about this is the monster. So Mary Shelley was uh, her name was Mary Godwin. Her father was William Godwin, the big proponent of the French Revolution in England, who said that uh, marriage was the most odious of all monopolies. In other words, complete denigration of marriage. He had an affair with uh, Mary Wollstonecraft, the first feminist and Mary Godwin was their child, and she was raised in a completely amoral atmosphere by a man who believed that all morality was just a function of little atoms bumping together in your head. There was no such thing as morality. 
And so Shelley shows up, the great poet, and uh, they fall in love and they run off uh, to Switzerland. And that's okay because Godwin said there's no such thing as morality. Uh, the, a, a complicating factor is that Shelley was already married. So you just dumped your 15-year-old wife, abandoned her. You're running off on this great literary uh, picnic with Byron in Switzerland where she conceived the idea of Frankenstein. That's where the idea of Frankenstein came in, talking to these guys who dealt, held the moral law in contempt. And so she comes back, and it turns out that uh, Shelley's first wife killed herself. So Mary uh, Godwin uh, is feeling bad now. She feels guilt because she's responsible for this woman's death. But wait a minute, why do I feel guilt? If, I, I know it's because the atoms are bumping around in a different way. So I'll just think about, and well, it didn't work. She couldn't figure it out. You know, she just, she, she, first of all, I can't, I can't ignore this guilt. On the other hand, I have no framework for saying that I did something immoral because my father was the greatest mother were the greatest sexual revolutionaries in English history up to this point. Right. So how am I going to deal with it? Well, she creates a monster. And the monster does the talking for her. And I am saying this is what happened in America after the sexual revolution of the 1970s. And the same thing happened. You had people. And I'm saying that uh, Alien was the sequel to Deep Throat. Deep Throat is basically uh, oral sex is kind of fun. And we'll all get a big laugh out of it and watch this pornographic movie. And so people act on this principle and suddenly they realize, hey, my life really sucks. <laughs> I'm miserable. Yeah. I just got a venereal disease. I just had to have an abortion. This is terrible. And then somebody comes along and embodies that feeling in a monster. And suddenly alien comes out and everybody's relieved because they're saying, yeah, sex is dangerous. I mean, that's the whole point of, of uh, Alien. This monster, they go down to this planet, the monster attaches himself to this John Hurt's face. Can't see it, but the, the drawings that uh, I got, uh, Giger drew the, drew the monster. I interviewed Hans Rudy Giger. This was oral sex, but now oral sex is something that kills you. Right. It's dangerous. Sex is dangerous. Sex is repulsive. And they, everybody, it was cathartic because everybody had these bad experiences. And now we can't say we don't believe in sexual liberation. That would be stupid. We still believe in sexual liberation. But then I really get a good feeling when I watch this monster because that's the way I really feel. And so the artist articulated something that no one could talk about. That's what happened. That's why horror flowed uh, from sexual liberation and why alien was the, the consequence of the, the sexual revolution. That's so true, man. And I think watching pornography is, is starting to raise this witch of, you know, we got to get the pedophiles in the sewers, you know, and I've, I, I, I despise pedophilia. It's one of the ills of this world, but I had this theory recently because you see some of these people that when some of these narratives fall apart, that they, they, they really aren't, you know, putting people in Gitmo and Q and all this stuff. And people seem sad. They're almost like mad that they don't have the pedophile to torture. And I started thinking about it. And then it's like pornography relies on pedophilia because 
I'm guessing 100% of these women were molested as kids and groomed. So I wonder if this is the externalized monster of all these people watching pornography and not, you know, it's almost like getting mad at the rancher as you're eating steak, where it's like, because it, it is an id situation. I'm starting to see this all the time where people are, are, are engaged in, in fetishizing how they would murder the pedophile. And I'm like, but you watch pornography every day. Like, I know some of these girls from stand-up days, and they're broken. And, they, and a lot of the, their desire for attention and sexual trauma attention comes from pedophilia. So this isn't adding up to me. And so that's where I started thinking, is this a raising of a wish? I'd love to hear your opinion on that. Well, I, I, what about what about Me Too, for example? I mean, this was like a moral panic that spread throughout uh, throughout Hollywood, and I think they found a scapegoat in in Harvey Weinstein. Uh, I'm sure there were other people who should have gone to jail uh, that didn't go to jail, and he became the scapegoat. And but but you you were you were talking about I, I started thinking about this when it was happening, and so I started typing in the names of all of the women who were the accusers in this at the beginning of the Me Too thing. And it turns out they, they all had sex tapes. Yeah. So wait a minute, why are you doing a sex tape? I mean, what, what are you talking about here? You, you slept with a guy to get the job. You, this was couch casting. And uh, you have this sense of loathing. I yes. think you've got this sense of self-loathing that you can't deal with. You just can't deal with it. So how are you going to deal with it? Well... You did a sex tape. It's it's I'm I think the same thing the same psycho, psychological dynamic applies to gay pride parades. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. You're doing something exactly. that is really loathsome and disgusting, and you feel you feel guilty about it. But if you go out and parade around in public, and God doesn't strike you dead, uh, marching down the street here, then you start to feel okay about yourself. And I, I think that that was what, what was going on here. You had the same type of feeling of these, these act, actresses who all felt this kind of self-loathing. And it led to exhibitionism. It led to a kind of exhibitionism because they could they had to externalize it one way or the other. You know, the, safe, the, the safest way to externalize it is to go to confession, honey. Go to a priest and tell him that you did something wrong. You know, you, you have to get this out of your system. If you're blocked from doing that, you're going to do it one way or the other, and it's going to turn into exhibitionism. And so you got all these women who are accusing Harvey Weinstein of something bad doing sex tapes. How does that fit together? Yeah, it happened to me on Patreon. Speaking of um, the Me Too movement, I did this joke a while ago. I don't know if you saw it in Indiana where I was. It's this long, dramatic irony of like I go to a female pride march or whatever and I keep handing out condoms and I'm being this paternal like I don't approve of what you're doing but you know be safe and they're like what are you talking about I'm like I know the movement the pound me too movement and the whole joke is that it's a pound sign I don't realize it's hashtag and I'm like pound me too pound me too. and so that joke got patreon to say I'm encouraging sexual assault and so they banned me from patreon we're still currently suing them meanwhile they have patreon accounts for porn stars and so the so I'm the textbook witch scapegoat constantly because I the comedian's role is to say what is what because the big the big laughs usually come from that's so true you know and so I'm making fun of the hashtag me too movement with the pound me too thing and so they all that ire 
comes at me, where they're like, you, you, sir, you're the one who makes me watch that, but you're the reason women are raped. You're the re-. I'm like, this is odd. And usually that makes good people retreat and, and cover and pretend, and I don't do that. I think it's probably my height. But to then see Patreon collecting money for porn, and the hypocrisy is so absurd that I started realizing there's more going on here, and, it, and it's the flooding, the externalization of the monster. And so, you know, the monster is anyone they can point their finger at, like making a mockery of what they're engaged in. Patreon is 100% engaged in human trafficking and pedophilia if they are promoting pornography. And so my joke is mocking the absurdity of the movement, not victimization. Many women that have been raped in their life told me that that was a very funny joke. And we're seeing this now constantly. Now people are willing to inject themselves with Dr. Faustian's poison with Bill Gates, a known eugenicist, in order to not feel that pain of existence because they don't believe in God, they don't pray, they don't accept salvation, and they think it's all on them to, you know, and they can't handle the pain, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's something cathartic about naming, naming the problem. And, and the monster is a way of naming the problem. Right. Like so, suddenly I know, I know what's causing my problem. I feel relieved. I know the source of my problem. Well, the, the flip side of that is also the scapegoat. Where, uh, if, if, let's put it this way. If it's the monster, you're on target. Okay. And that is in some way the reality of the situation. Especially if you understand the monster, which is basically your passion's out of control. You can't control them anymore. You became the monster. Yeah. This this is like the essence of uh, Forbidden Planet, where the where the guy these the monsters coming through twelve inches of Krell steel. How is he doing that? How is that possible? Well, because you're the monster. Because the monster is your own desires out of control, and that's what's causing all the death. Right. But there's a phony way to do it, and I think the phony way is scapegoating, where you you create. <coughs> You nominate someone to be the monster, like you're the designated monster today, yeah. and we will hate we will hate you, and that makes us feel better. But it just reinforces the problem because it's not the real issue. You're 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 disguising the real issue by scapegoating people. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I've hung out with a lot of uh, famous people in my life. Like I don't know Britney Spears, but she's a perfect example of raising this icon. You know, torturing them on the pedestal, and then cheering on her self-destruction because of their probably their sexual feelings about her when she was a girl you know and it's you're watching this and you're like wow how are people blind to this and then you realize it's because of their sin and their porn addiction and all this stuff and the reaction to the to the people trying to explain this to people is is both awesome like all the bears everyone in the chat is really enjoying this um uh conversation and then the 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 people on the outside that that you know, people like you and people like me, our existence is so painful for them because they know we know that they want us gone. It's like the, the classic ADL, all this stuff. It's like, if you know the lie, I mean, the Holocaust narrative at this point is absurd. They, two front war, they're turning people into decorative lamps. Like, come on. And so if someone makes fun of that, um, you know, like my joke, uh, you know, I used to like Adolf Hitler until I found out he didn't kill six million Jews. You know, like, just stupid jokes like that. They're like, you have to go away or else I will feel pain. And, and, it's a, and that's why I have a very strong fence and I know all my neighbors and, you know, I have my own food supply because I'm not going to be anybody's witch or monster. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. can you tell the people about uh, about uh, vampires? And then I and then I got to bounce. Yeah, well, the, the 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 second monster was Dracula. Yeah. And the the second uh, revolution was basically the the Russian Revolution of 1917. But in Germany, it was the defeat uh, in World War One uh, that uh, basically destroyed destroyed the country. And so you have the rise of uh, so the, the begin. What's what's the issue in uh, with Frankenstein? It's electricity. We have electricity now. We can create we can create a new type of human being. Now the issue is it's become biological and it's blood. Mm. And you've got the rise of the man who's going to deal with this. It's Hitler in, in, in Germany. He writes a book called Mein Kampf. And he's constantly talking about blood, the, the corruption of German blood. Well, we're talking about syphilis here. Syphilis was a huge problem in Germany after World War II because of the large number of soldiers that went to uh, prostitutes during the war. Yeah. There was no cure for syphilis at this point. And, it's, and, and the, the idea, uh, we needed a monster to describe our situation. And the monster this time was Dracula because Dracula lives <laughs> on blood. Dracula is like the Antichrist. Right, right. Jesus sheds his blood so that you can have eternal life. Dracula sheds your blood so that he can have eternal life. Fascinating. So it's, it, it's Jesus turned upside down, and this is the world the world that we live in. And it turns out that that's, that was on Bram Stoker's mind because Bram Stoker had, had syphilis. This is, this is the monster that arose out of that that chaos. This is the monster that's punishing you now, and there's no cure. And that's 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 so the reaction came with Hitler and the whole attempt to purify German blood. His obsession with blood uh, grew up out of the whole degradation of blood that took place with syphilis during World War One. It's a fascinating man. Uh, and what do you think's happening with the uh, covid monster right now? What do you think is being externalized and what do you think is really going on with this panic? I think it's the third attempt to drive Donald Trump from office. I think it's the result of the failure to control the narrative. They lost control of the narrative in 2019. And now they're using even more draconian measures to, to, to get it back. And, and look, in a sense, they're succeeding. I mean, we're talking about it. It's, it's the narrative right now. And they're using science right now to basically shut down everyone. The ADL failed, hate speech failed, you know, uh, but now it's science and nobody can argue with science. And that's in many ways why the why Logos is the point right now. You know, do we have the ability to make judgments about Anthony Fauci and what he's saying? Yes. And if so, where, do, where does it come from? What's the basis? I'm saying if you have Logos, you're in touch with ultimate reality and oh, yeah. you don't you, you can judge the scientist. We have to do oh, this yeah. anyway, because you're always confronted with two scientists who disagree with each other. So what do you do then? That's the situation we're in. Yeah, I completely agree, man. And I think it's 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 almost like a birthing process. Like it, it, it's setting us free if you see it, you know, where, where not only do you have a right to have an opinion about your own body and your own life, it's getting more and more absurd. And now I'm starting to see the pattern where now they're they're raising the nurses on the pedestal like they did firefighters with 9-11 
to make it so that's so addicting that people within the medical community don't want to lose that prana, you know, where, where they, yeah. don't, they don't want to say this is nonsense. There's nobody in these hospitals because they love the pedestal, but the pedestal is just as dangerous as the pit. And so we're now, dude, I'm like, I was a hedonistic comedian. I'm now a Christian homesteader. Like these things have blowback. <laughs> you know, that's the way God works in history. Right. Hey, this is this is consciousness. We now know things that we didn't know before. And the question is, are we going to be able are we going to act on them? Are you going to act on what you know or not? Are you going to go back to, to return to the vomit of science or whatever it was, the vomit Ugh. of Hollywood, the vomit Ugh. of academe? Are you going to return no. That's the question. Or, or are you going to uh, access the bigger plan and move forward? It's like crawling back. It's like plan. crawling back inside your mother and staying in there until you're 20. It's like leave. All right, where can people get your book? And and you want to do more of these, man? Because I told you sure. I'd, I'd do a, sure. well, a stream at 11. But I, I want to just keep talking. I mean, you, you you seem like a family member to me. It might be the German Irish thing, right? Or just because yeah, we, it's. We biracial people have to stick together. I'm actually, tri I'm tri, uh, no, I'm actually quad. I also have uh, some English and some um, uh, allegedly Eastern European. I think it could be the Grabler because they're very shady about what they were. They were bohemian. I don't even know what that means. But um, it's, a, it's a section of the Czech Republic now. I know, but I think they were, they, they just, they act a little ADL-ish, if you know what I mean. They converted okay. to Catholicism to three generations ago and never admit what they were. So yeah. I think I'm part, I'm part magician, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So you can go, it's available at culturewars.com. <laughs> you didn't even acknowledge my That's amazing. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, E. Michael Jones, uh, uh, culturewars.com. Pick up. This is one of the few books I'm actually going to sit down and read. Uh, and I'm going to read it cover to cover and I'm going to love every bit of it. Dude, you helped yeah. inspire this, Logos Rising Hoodie. It's like yeah. you have a very positive uh, influence on the world. So, ladies and gentlemen, E. Michael Jones, um, uh, show him some love, and please come back soon, man. I, I love these chats. Yeah, my pleasure. All right, later, my friend. Peace. Bye-bye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was E. Michael Jones. I wish I could have kept talking to him, but in five minutes I'm going on the SGT report. Because, uh, you know, the new documentary is coming out next week, I believe, at unauthorized.tv. Anchor Bear just finished the score. Thank you, Anchor Bear. Uh, I'm so happy you did that for us. It's an honor. Um, e. Michael Jones is the man. He's an absolute legend. I love that he's like, we're talking about it. He gets it. You know, that's why I don't engage in, like, look at how stupid the media is. Oh, look at Joe Biden. He's so fucking dumb. It's like, stop putting your attention that way. All right, Anchor Crushing, yes. Crushing. All right, I'm, um, anybody have, where is SGDT now? I am about to, uh, uh, I'm about to email him right now, but I'm excited to talk to him. Um, and see you in five, my friend. That's how I email. That's like the longest email I've sent in a year. Um, EMJ's boss. Yeah. So check out, uh, Logos Rising. And he, he has, he's been in quarantine for 40 years. <laughs> he's a grandfather, a father, a legend, man. I fucking love that guy. I used to say that if E. Michael Jones was the priest, I'd probably be a Catholic, but, uh, he's too busy crushing. Um, all right. I'll see you guys soon. I'll probably do a piano stream tonight. And again, I know it was a little intense last night with the goats about like, if you watch porn, you're part of grooming. 
you guys got to understand, if I do two, four hours of uh, streaming a day, you're going to see emotions in real time. And I'm working through stuff. And, uh, you know, there's always smarter ways I can handle things. But this is just part of it. This is just part of reality. How do I watch SGT report? I don't know. I, I, EMJ is amazing. Quarantine longer than us. 40 years. And he casually stopped a woman from killing herself and genuinely doesn't believe he's a hero for it, which means he's a hero. And no matter what I tell him, he'll be, because in my, you know, he's, he's right. It is God's plan. He's just doing what he does. But it's so funny. It's like when you talk to really devout people and you're like, man, you're, you're a crusher. They, you see in their eyes, they're immediately like, it's God. And they're dead. They, 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 it's true. They're like, they don't want that. They don't want pedestal shit. But you still can't help but be like, that. thanks, though. And they're like, praise be to God, though. This is his plan. It's like, but just acknowledge that it's awesome what you did. All right. All right. Unauthorized.tv, P.O. Box 727, Gig Harbor, Washington, 98335. I will see you guys soon. Be fruitful multiply. Don't be fruity and boil, guy. Much love.